this is Mike from New Jersey, and this is On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And I'm told at one point or other, I'm actually going to be a real live uh, interview on the show. That's a warning. You're listening to Rogue Agents, Episode 4, featuring Ian Fleming's James Bond origin, number one. From September 2018. Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Rogue Agents Podcast a part of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast channel, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host, Agent Delvin, a.k.a. Dark Web. And joining me as co-agents are Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Pro. This feels weird having to ask you this, Jared, but please tell me what is the most 007 Bond-like thing you've done since the last episode. Why, thank you, Delvin. It is weird. You're a full-blown agent. You're running right. the episode. I'm so proud of you. You're all I got, got my tie on straight. I tell you what, I'm impressed, sir. The most Bond-like thing I've done, it's going to start out sounding kind of cool and tough, and then it'll wane. Firearms training, taking Jordan out. He's a teenage young man now, taking him out with the actual pistol to teach him firing responsibilities and all that stuff. I'd taken him out before about a year ago, just kind of refreshing him on it. About a year ago, man, I was nailing them soda cans. Bam, bam. This time, I was like, Daniel Craig and Skyfall, man. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't hit the broadside of a bar. I was so bad. And Jordan was nailing him. So I was like, I guess next time he's got to teach me some <laughs> firearm training. But that was the most Bond-like thing I did. I actually busted some caps. Bust some caps. Yeah. Give the man a cigar. So there you have it. That's my Bond thing. I'll give it back to you, sir. And also, you know, much like Daniel Craig and Skyfall, I'm hiring you anyway. Like, I don't like anyone else better. <laughs> Thank you. You should know yeah. better, but whatever. I was not shooting well. All right. This episode is the fourth episode of our ongoing series on this channel called MI6 Rogue Agents, where Agent Pat and I normally, Pat isn't here tonight. Rest in peace, Pat. Wait, he's not dead. Now he's dead to us anyway, who are recently promoted field agents after completing our trek through all 24 Eon Bond films, join agents Jared and Jason to traverse our 007 universe. That can mean books. That can mean music. That can mean musical books, if such a thing existed. That can mean video games. Essentially, any medium that connects to the Bond franchise that we love so much here at On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. So I forgot an agent. I would be remiss if I did not introduce properly Jason Albrecht, a.k.a. the Weasel Skull. Jason, please tell me the most Bond-like thing that you've done since last episode. I went undercover so deep. Mm. I was so stealthy. I was invisible to Mm. the point you forgot I existed. (laughs) (laughs) Just now. (laughs) Just now. You blended right in. Other than that, I bought this shirt. (laughs) the listeners can't see it but it says universal exports london so it's uh it's pretty much useless because uh the listeners can't see it (laughs) we're proud of you well it kind of helps with that whole deep cover invisible no one can see it thing it was like a meta joke yeah there it is yep so invisible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
This is me fading back into the woodwork. <laughs> I want to give Dalton some props for reading that line in the script, much like Lupe, that we love so much. So much. <laughs> much. <laughs> so proud of Dalton. All right. And we have a special guest tonight joining us for the first time as a rogue agent is Bob Q, artist and colorist of, among other things, Ian Fleming's James Bond origin. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be here. We're very pleased to have you. We are going to show you how pleased we are to have you by asking you a lot of questions. They're on-the-spot questions. They are deep probing. They are really intense and personal, so I, I hope you're ready. I'm not, but I'm ready to... I'm, let's just do it. Let's do it. I'm not, I'm not going to second-guess it at this point. I'm already here. Yep, I'm ready. Do you like James Bond? Yes. Next. That's the right answer. Survey says that's the right answer. So far, so good. Okay. Oh man. (laughs) What off the ground on that one? (laughs) All right. All right. First serious question. Please tell us what was your first memory of James Bond? Watching Goldfinger with my dad, actually. And since then, that movie has remained my favorite James Bond movie uh, for no reason other than the nostalgic purposes and remembering time with old pops. Absolutely. He's still alive. No, 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 nothing to worry about there. But, you know, good memories. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Personally, yeah. Goldfinger's my favorite also. Not so much for some of the other agents, but it was up there. It was up there. Thunderball, yeah. Thunderball for the same reason you did, Bob. Watching it with my dad. First there you I go. <laughs> All right. How did you get drawn into the whole bond? Well, you kind of answered that, but you did the Goldfinger with your dad. But what kept you there? You know what? The funny thing is, is that like, so as a result of like in Goldfinger, I ended up watching all the Connery Bond films. And that was kind of where it ended for me until college when every night we would go over to my friend Josh's room and we would play the GoldenEye N64 game basically until we all fell asleep (laughs) every day. Every day was GoldenEye day. It was a good time. (laughs) What was your GPA? (laughs) (laughs) It was like three, eight, three, nine. I'm very intelligent. Smart boy. I did that same thing in college and got a 2.8. <laughs> I sacrificed the whole point to Goldeneye. Yeah. You know what they call that, though? Graduate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was also like an arts major, so, you know, it's like it's all subjective horse crap anyway. So <laughs> He's letting out the secrets. <laughs> yeah. Don't study anything difficult that's going to help the world. <laughs> Yeah, if he's playing Goldeneye in college, that means he's the same age as us, Delvin. I did the math in my head. We do that yeah. right here. Got to be around there. Mm-hmm. Have to be. You know what's funny? I was still playing games in college, but I missed playing Goldeneye. And I know how mega watt popular this game is. It probably I wouldn't have been good at it. I'm terrible at shooters anyway. I suck <laughs> so bad at shooters, but I missed it. I never spent hours playing the game. I missed well- out. The thing of it was is it had four-player split-screen mm-hmm. competitive, and like that was just the best because you could sit in the room with all your friends. You're all drinking beer and punching each other as you're, you're shooting each other, right? Like, <laughs> here's how you could tell the real, true Gold Knight veteran. So when you're playing the player versus player, which is the best character to be? You gotta play Odd Job. Odd Job. Okay, you pass. There we go. <laughs> So, Bob, please tell me, who is your favorite 
James Bond actor. So, I mean, you already mentioned Goldfinger that you started out with, and then you mentioned GoldenEye, which, of course, is not the movie, but the video game that was inspired by another Bond actor. Sure. Like I said previously, pretty much the majority of my Bond viewing is all Connery movies just because he was my dad's favorite. Mm -hmm. So that's typically what was rented from the video store again to date myself. So, you know, I remain a Connery guy. He's fun. Looks dapper at all times. You're right, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, Mr. Connery. He's agreeing with you. I yes. told you to stay in your room, Mr. Connery. <laughs> like, even as someone relatively new to the Bond franchise, I'm with you for whatever reason. While I enjoyed the run of movies, but I guess maybe because he was just my first one and I got to see a good chunk of him, he is the yeah. imprint in my head for who James Bond is. You never forget your first Bond. You know, that's no. what they say. Yeah, yeah. Forever. (laughs) So who is your favorite villain then? I can't deviate. I'm going to be so boring tonight because it's going to be Goldfinger. Again, it's it's 100% nostalgia. Like, I have so many fond memories of that, of like watching the crotch laser and the the golf ball shenanigans. Like, I I still remember all that stuff to this day. It's like, I I always think about it with a smile. So... (laughs) Yeah, that's. I bet, that's, I, bet that's I know who his favorite henchman is. Yep, you already know it. You don't have to. Ask. <laughs> <laughs> Invite me on to your nice podcast. I just turn it into a stinker by being oh, cool. <laughs> There's nothing oh, wrong with that. that. You, you like what you like. There is no. No, you're good. Like, I mean, we we have one of the co-hosts that bores us to death about Thunderball all the time. So you're okay. You're good. We have a co-host that likes Madonna's Die Another Day song a whole lot. (laughs) He's not here tonight, but he loves it. He does, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm digressing, but I I don't care. People hate that song. I don't hate it. It's an earworm. It's like, yeah, it's definitely not going to be probing and like, oh, man, that was deep, and I learned so much about the inner work. No. I learned a lot about the human condition from that James Bond theme song. (laughs) Human (laughs) Bond. So Bob is your favorite henchman, also from Goldfinger. Obviously, he's the best one because he had the cool hat. He was in Goldfinger, and he's the best in Goldeneye. That's why you have to always pick odd job. Trifecta. Nice. On to more probing questions. Okay, let's probe. Who's your favorite Bond girl? And you have to choose two. There's one who's like, you know what? I think of her fondly. And I remember her and she just added so much depth to the movie. And then there's the, oh, man, if I could take her in a room, her and I would get it. Which one's what I do? I always forget that Helga Brandt got fed the piranhas. (laughs) What a way to go. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do Helga for the piranhas. <laughs> Fair enough. Because what a way to go! What a way to go! Like that is memorable. I will grant you that. that, that is an incredible memorable. assassin. Here she goes, piranhas get in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. I approve of that. We'll also go with Sylvia Trench. That sounds good. I can feel okay about those. Good. <laughs> it's always good to choose somebody you know who got eaten by piranhas. That's what they say on the street. But yeah. That- <laughs> Hey, on the street, yeah. <laughs> Out here in L.A., in South Central, all the gang members <laughs> running around going, hey, you've been eaten by piranhas? Yeah. Okay, me. This is the voice they use, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they sound. Hey, 
Hey, it's me, a gang member. <laughs> That's how they describe themselves. That's that yeah. exactly it. Right. It's me. I'm Peter, the gang member. This is my girlfriend who got eaten by piranhas. <laughs> Peter, the gang member. <laughs> so, Bob, do you have a favorite soundtrack or score from the Bond franchise? I'm the worst. You already know the answer. Goldfinger. It's a great no. soundtrack. <laughs> My wife and I sing that song around the house. <laughs> nice. Good for you. That's fun. You can't deny that delivery. Like, I get goosebumps from that song. It's so good. You're not going to get any argument from me. That's one of my top three songs, and I don't think that's ever going to move anytime soon. Just fantastic. That opening title sequence. All right, let's talk about the comic book for a second. Do you remember what led to you being selected to do artwork for James Bond Origin? I think it (laughs) it's like the worst story. I think I I had ingratiated myself to the editor by delivering a, a book on the previous series I was on very quickly. To the point where he went, hey, do you want to work on something that you can actually take some more time on and do a good job? And I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's called a backhanded compliment. I don't know. (laughs) No, that's not what he said. But, you know, it was uh, it's sort of how it felt. I I don't know. Like the comic book industry is a silly one. And like you're hitting your dates is really important. And some companies care a whole lot about what's inside the books and some companies care a little bit less and you know i was on this previous book and i got a script that was delivered to me like two weeks before the book had to be out and typically you want at minimum about a page a day so this meant i had to do two pages a day and it was very unpleasant so like i worked double time got the thing out on time a-okay and then he was like hey jeff parker is writing a, a james bond origin book about when he's like a kid growing up and then like you know when he when he joins the navy and all this stuff and i was like this sounds great this sounds like a lot of fun and like i'm sort of one of those people who believes that comic books are, are fun for the kids so like when i was like young bond i was like this sounds great right and it wasn't james bond jr stuff it was like you know real world kind of world war ii era stuff right like it, it was it was a period piece and i was like well th- that's not something i've ever done before and it's definitely an opportunity to sort of expand my horizons from, you know, just wanting to draw superheroes all the time, right? Like, yeah. this is a really unique opportunity. And Jeff is, A, Jeff loves James Bond. B, Jeff is a great writer. And C, he is also a super cool dude. So the previous book I was on was uh, was Flash Gordon. And he'd written a really, really great Flash Gordon run that they basically gave to me when I first started up. They were like, here's how you make comic books, dummy. And I was like, this is great comics. This is what you should be. And I was like, okay. So yeah, I picked it up and I was like, and I, and I love it. And I've got a copy of it literally sitting over there that I refer to on not infrequent occasions. So I was like, I get to work with Jeff Parker and I get to do a James Bond and a period thing. Like, let's do it. It was not a question. It was, let's make some comics, kids. And that's how we got there. Well, first, let's looking at the glint in Jared's eye. Like I would be remiss if I did not mention that on our Longbox Crusade Network, we are covering the Flash Gordon original series mm. of Gordon Space Soldiers, and we are through 11 episodes out of 13, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the old serials, the old Buster Crab, Black and Whites. Yeah. Yeah, so we are Flash Gordon lovers around here. Oh, yeah. awesome. So now we got something else to hunt down, though. we got to find these Bob Q Flash books. We do. Oh, yeah. It was called King's Quest. It was written by Ben Acker and Keith Corson. And it's like a whole King Syndicate book. So it's like Jungle Jim and Mandrake the Magician and Flash Gordon and the Phantom and like all those guys. Oh, together. like in a... I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they like <laughs> go on a crazy adventure. And like I was only supposed to do like some flashback pages. And then 
I was only supposed to do one issue, and then I ended up having to finish the series. So that's how I got there. Well, congratulations. That's good stuff. Yeah, thanks. Bob, looking through your art in this, and we'll go into some detail later. Okay. To me, and I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, the colors, digital, but I can't tell if you're drawing digitally or traditionally. Am I right on the colors? Did you do them digitally? And then the drawing, is that traditional or digital? Colors are all digital. I can't imagine having to do it any other I know, way. right? With this um, crazy, but it looks great. That book was actually drawn traditionally. Okay, that was my instinct, and it's great. I, we'll, we'll get to that later, but I was well, just wondering. You. I appreciate it. Well, I'm still talking about the comic, and you've already talked about it a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. What was your favorite part of the experience of working on this series? A lot of the research into that stuff is stuff I kind of nerd out about. Like, I, I'm a big fan of just sort of random history stuff. And uh, so the opening sequence in the first issue yeah. uh, features that bombing run of the Clydebank Blitz, right? I had to spend a bunch of time researching that very specific i think it's pronounced junkers bomber that the the nazis used during that strike and looking through all the pictures i had to spend a ton of time figuring out where the bombardier actually sat because there was a specific spot where he's supposed to be talking to the bombardier and it turns out that those dudes would just lay on the ground and i there was nowhere i could find actual reference in that so i threw out to facebook i was like do i have any friends who are like Big fans of the Luftwaffe, <laughs> which is always sort of a dangerous question. Like, at least you started I, kinda, with the I, I did know where the bombardiers at the JU eighty seven. If you're just going on a Reddit board, you may have went into some weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, I should probably start with friends before I start digging around on 4chan or something like that. Ironically, so, both Jason and I knew where the bombardier was. <laughs> this, but our last name is Albrick, so we're allowed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah i ended up finding a friend who had grown up in finland who still had friends in germany who had a bunch of <laughs> so i guess he's like a i don't know just a guy who lives in germany still loves the third reich or something so that was a little frightening but he had all the information so no complaints <laughs> there save me a bunch of time in all seriousness bob that's one of the things like as soon as i opened up the book i was really impressed about the attention to detail Mm-hmm. That you had on uh, not just the bombers in here, but you know, in your future issues, I think you had like a dive bomber, the submarines, mm-hmm. the, the buildings around Fett's uh, College. You could tell that you did a lot of research, and I, I think oh, it yeah. really showed up well in this book. Google Street View actually did me a lot of good because the, the funny thing is, is a lot of those buildings in that area are so old, right? Obviously, some of them were unfortunately destroyed during the Blitz and stuff like that. But I mean, like, it's a it's an old town. There's literally Google Street View of the campus. So like when he's wandering around going to like the different teachers offices and stuff like that, yeah. you can actually wander around the campus and find buildings that have been there since forever. And those are all represented in the book because I ended up just essentially like internet walking the campus. To That's try to find out where things happen. You could really tell. I mean, you could really tell the level of research and detail you went in there. And as, as a reader, it really added to my enjoyment of the book. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, because, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, I don't know if anybody's going to actually care that this was, you know, the kind of car that the officers used to drive around in. And and, and like, and I guess people appreciated it. So that's nice. <laughs> it's good all those hours spent going like this in front of my computer, actually. <laughs> paid off so (laughs) anything the internet has taught me in a positive way is that somebody somewhere cares about something (laughs) yeah you put that attention to detail in it someone's gonna look and like oh my god he understands me (laughs) (laughs) all good 
So, Bob, who are your artistic influences? Oh, man, it's too many to list. I'll give you the highlights. I'm a big Andrew Robinson fan. Obviously love Doc Shaner. I know that the Internet's mad at him at the moment, but Sean Murphy is an incredible draftsman. Scotty Young got me back into comics after I'd kind of stopped reading for a while. Still love Lee Weeks. Lee Weeks was a big one when I was growing up. Yes, uh, yes. Same with like Mark Silvestri and Jim Lee like that. I, I obviously grew up in like the, the like 90s extreme era where everything had a million cross hatching lines and stuff like that. And like, I obviously don't draw that way, but like that stuff obviously was like super formative for me when, when I was growing up. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, still, still look back on it fondly, whether or not it was well-written is a, you know, a different story, but it's fun to look at. Being men of about the same age, I will always have a soft spot for the 90s because right. I mean, the 90s is when, you know, I, I started coming of age and then like I was still collecting comic books and stuff. And so, yeah, there's some of it that was definitely over the top, but a lot of it I have a fondness for because that was my time growing up. And exactly. Now, you now have the distance from it with your advanced age. <laughs> to, easy uh, now, easy. Whoa, ah, not too bad. <laughs> it's me too. Okay, I'm. Uh, I understand who I am, right? No, but like you, we can look back on it. The oldest guy on the show, man. So <laughs> feel bad now. Settle but down, Grandpa. Me and Bob are talking. Yeah, but you kind of go. Eh, is this great? No, it looks spectacular. Like I, I, I still have a. I literally have a copy on my pile over here. Of old issue of Cyberforce, and I was just yeah. like, this, this, "This book is ridiculous," but these pictures are so good. There's so much cross hatching. Like I don't even know who, how long did this take. I was like all those issues were late. You know they were. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put fourteen more pouches on this guy. <laughs> exactly. There was a time when I thought Wildcats was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so, like there's been a book in like a year that I came back. I was like, "Really?" Like a year later, and here's a, here's the next issue. And you know, and you know where that year went to. It was like every every single cross hatch, every single thing that made no sense. It was just it's beautiful. Every, every exactly every pouch that was carrying some, like his tea chest or something. You don't even know <laughs> <laughs> what, what are in those pouches. I don't know. <laughs> I can do one thing and that's draw quickly, right? Like that's a valuable commodity. Well, that's in the the, that's that's a skill. <laughs> that's called herd trimpy kind of work right there man. Herd trimpy, crank them books out exactly i mean you got the trimpies but you got your john ramita jr too mm-hmm. john ramita jr can put out a book quickly sal buscema sal yep. buscema can put out a book like that mark bagley mm-hmm. same way so george yeah. perez thank you yeah get me yeah Bob <laughs> i'm on that list yes <laughs> every time dynamite puts out like a presser that i'm doing something they always like to reference the fact that I fanboy once said I was like the modern day Jack Kirby only because I was fast, right? Like it had nothing to do with the fact that I was any good. It was just that I could work quickly. I wish they would stop doing it because it's a lot of pressure. I was like, stop doing that. It's not what you think it is. I, I say just own it. Go like the absolute other way. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. By the way, this picture, $500. $500. Every hand is coming at you like that, you know. I'll get us back on the rails here. What character have you not drawn yet that you like to draw most? And as a part two of that, since this is a 007 show, what Bond character would you like to draw the most that you haven't yet? Oh, man. Well, I mean, anybody that's followed me on the internets at all knows that I would really, really love to draw a Honey Badger book. But I don't think they call her that anymore. I think they call her Scout now or whatever, which I don't think is as good of a name. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I got to like do 
three pages of an X-Men book when they were behind, which was fun. But I want to do a series of that because, again, I, I've done a lot of adult titles. The Lone Ranger series that I did was like very sort of modern political focused with a, you know, through the lens of the past and like old stuff that was going on in the Old West. It's really interesting. And, uh, you know, I'm doing Red Sonja right now, which is like, the Red Sony series that I'm on right now is not like the sword and sandal bombast kind of thing that you're expecting. It yeah. really is sort of an examination of leadership and sacrifice and the cost of war and stuff like that. So dealing with a lot of heady topics, like when ultimately I think what I want to do is I want to draw like a kid doing karate chops on Magneto. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I mean, that, I, I don't know. It just seems like it would it, it'd be a fun change of pace and a little bit sillier because like I've mentioned this on other podcasts, but like, I, I grew up not so much reading comics so much as reading comic strips i was a mad magazine guy growing up okay. my love is still in like gag strips and like jokes and stuff that's a has a little bit more levity to it so that is something that i really like to do whatever form that takes now what bond character would i want to draw oh man i really love to draw jaws he's got them crazy teeth if you want to do that just go ahead and do that and then mail it to me you know, maybe, you know what maybe maybe i will maybe i will <laughs> my dad I could do it. I could do it if I wanted. I don't believe you could do it. I don't believe you could get it to him. Is that a like challenge? I will not be. I will not be suckered into this, buddy. I know what's going on here. All right. Are you working currently on any other projects you've mentioned? But please feel free to mention any current projects you're working on and might be working on in the future. Again, your pal Bob is a quick drawer. He's not a great drawer necessarily, but. So I was doing Red Sonia at the same time as I was doing Captain America. So Captain America 20 has come out. 21 is going to come out whenever they start putting out comic books again. So I've got like a four issue run on Captain America coming out, which was really good. And then, like I said, I'm doing Red Sonia. And then I have another thing coming up in the future, but I haven't signed any paperwork on it. So I probably can't talk about it, but I'm doing another book after this. And it's going to be a weird one. <laughs> I'm All right. So... We are going to continue on with all our rogue agents for the main subject of this episode, which is James Bond Origin 1. The publisher, Dynamite Entertainment. It was published September 2018 with cover price $3.99, 32 pages, and with editor Nate Cosby, writer Jeff Parker, penciler Bob Q, inker Bob Q, letterer Simon Bolin, colorist Bob Q. Cover credits, there were multiple credits for issue one. Cover A was done by John Cassidy and Jose Villa Rubia. Cover B was done by David Mack. Cover C, Kev Walker. Cover D, Gene Ha. Cover E, Ibrahim Mustafa. Cover M was by Bob Q, and the one that we're going to be talking about today is cover F, which was done by Bob Q and Jordan Boyd. Here's the cover description. The good old Union Jack is being cleverly used as the backdrop of German bombers dropping ordnance onto the Scottish ports and mainland. In the foreground, we see a young James Bond riding a motorcycle from the left of the image to the right, a trail of dust behind him. The top of the book has the word Bond in bold letters with the title of the book in front of it, along with the names of the creative team. The bottom of the book has the word dynamite to the left and one to the right. So let's talk about it. Jared, 
What do you have to say about the cover, sir? This cover sucks. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, <it's just> crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, for reals. For the real take. Talk about the Kev Walker cover. That one's way better. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this cover is great. I love the colors and the use of the Union Jack is just tremendous. It completely gives you a snapshot of what happens in the book. You know, we're kind of fans of that in our comic book reading when the cover really matches up. Love the bombers, love the young Bond on a motorcycle. I think one of the best things about this is this is issue one of Bond Origin. So we haven't even really kind of established what young Bond is going to look like. But the second you see that on the cover, you don't have any questions. It's not like, is that Bond? Is that not Bond? You're like, that is obviously young Bond. The tie flapping over his shoulder is the perfect cherry on the Sunday. I love it. Over to you, Jason. No, you said it all. I mean, this is a book that would have grabbed me even if I hadn't decided to pull it right away. I mean, it's James Bond. Okay, so you know it's going in my inbox. Like you said, the Union Jack and the way that the Union Jack divides up the action in the photo with the bombers in the blue. You got the flaming castle in the red. Again, I know I mentioned it briefly before, but the details of the motorcycle, you can really tell that a lot of research and hard work went into this cover. And it's more than just talent alone, which is enough to make the cover. But the details of the castle, the planes, and the motorcycle really tickle that nostalgia bone in me. And uh, yeah, I like this one a lot. I'm sorry your uh, host here couldn't help but laugh that uh, nostalgia bone. I, I <laughs> that was That's my nickname it. in college. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bob, do you have any insights on the cover? Uh, you know what? It's great. This guy should be paid much better. Uh, <laughs> no, I typically try to color my own stuff, and I, I'm usually very hesitant to hand things off to anybody. But Jordan, who colored it and also colored issue six of the series, is A, a lovely human being, and B, wildly talented. He chose versions of the red and blue that I wouldn't have chosen, but they're totally right if that makes sense. Like I probably would have gone much more bold with it, but he has a tendency to pull back a little bit and like kind of desaturate the stuff a little bit. And it just has the right feel. Jordan is, like I said, just a super duper talented guy. And like when I saw the final colors of it, I was just, I was over the moon. I was so happy. Bob, Jordan who? Jordan Boyd. Jordan Boyd is the colors. Okay. Yes. Nice. And digressing slightly, you normally color your own work? Yeah, if I can. Mm. What it allows me to do is punt all decision-making down the road at every step of the way. So if I don't feel like figuring out the lighting, I don't have to. I can color it later and figure out how I kind of want to do it or something like that. So it's all in an effort to keep all decision-making to a minimum and just have fun. (laughs) Okay. My quick two cents about it. like I always judge covers on whether or not it would make me want to read the book, especially as a layman. I'm not an artist or anything like that, but I know what I like. And so you're looking at the cover, you see the images in the background and then just a younger bond in the foreground. And it is interesting. And so it already promises that it's an origin, but you don't really know unless you got a primer on what the book was about. You don't know what it's about just looking at it, but hey, James Bond origin. And then you see everything that's going on. And that is something that would make me want to pick up. This was gifted to me and looking at it, this is like, hey, this is a book that I can and want to sit down and read just based off the cover along. So I enjoyed it. 
All right, now that we have given our cover thoughts, we are going to the cover rating. A quick reminder of the rating system. We go one to seven here on Rogue Agents. Seven means you loved it. It shook your martini. Six, excellent. Five, very good. Four, good. Three, just okay. Two, not so good. And one, you hated it. Don't go easy on me. I'm right here. (laughs) You're not going to hurt my feelings. Don't look him in the eye, Jason. Don't look him in the eye. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know what? Since you're already not looking in the eye, Jason, we will start with you. Sir, what would you rate? You know, this is the first time I've actually seen this cover. As we discussed, I, I had a slightly different cover in the book that I read. I just can't look away from it. That Union Jack is beautiful, not just the way that it's you know portrayed, but again, just how it divvies up the action elements and that cover tells a whole story with such simplicity that you know may sound derogatory. I don't mean it to be. I mean it's it's just laid out so well. You don't try to do too much with it. That's a long-winded way of me saying this one's a six. This one's a six for me. Okay, awesome. Jared. I'm not just saying this because Bob's here. <laughs> but, you know, we give maximum scores on our other comic book-related shows in the Longbox Crusade. If we give it like the whatever our maximum number here, it would be a seven. Would yeah. be We talked about this. I want this as a poster on my wall. Right. And I want this as a poster on my wall. I'm giving this the full seven. If they made this a poster, it would be in a frame and on my wall. I adore it, and it's not just because Bob's here. (laughs) (laughs) Bob seems relatively happy that you gave it a seven. Pretty Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Not too bad me. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to make my two look really, really... I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you mentioned the coloring, because that different red, especially at the bottom, it's a little faded. And it looks war-torn. There are some horrors that happen in just issue one of this book, and it spoke to the time of World War II where a lot of horrors and atrocities occurred. And that just draws you right into where, again, it made me want to read this book. I'm with Jason. I'm right at a six where I'm like, this makes me want to read the book. And as we're about to discuss, the book was an excellent read in itself. Bob, we are not putting you on the spot and telling you to rate your own stuff. That seems... I don't know. Gratuitous? It's a second <laughs> You know, the, the, the horrible thing is, is that like, when you've done this enough at a certain point, like w- once a piece of work is probably about a year old, you can't look at it anymore. <laughs> so I'm sitting here, it's like, oh, what do you think? It's a seven. It's a, I'm like, it's a two. <laughs> <laughs> this thing stinks. No, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest, Bob. I mean, this is kind of like part two of my already long score, but I was looking at the cover gallery in the back of my issue here. The one that I want on my wall is one that you did. And it's this one that says to victory. And it has the profile of Bond with the Spitfires. Oh, yeah. uh, That's the one. That's the one I want on my wall right there. Yeah, it was so funny. I can't remember how it happened. But like I had decided that I wanted to try to do propaganda style posters. And I think it had happened after I was supposed to turn in all the original covers and stuff. So like that one ended up coming in late, I think. But they still let me do it, which was nice. That was based off of a an old World War II poster. It also said to victory like that. And it was for the Royal Air Force. And I can't remember exactly what else it was for, but Oh, I loved it. I'm a yeah, yeah. I'm a connoisseur of those old World War II posters and Oh, I love them. They're they're great. All right. I'm gonna go ahead with a short synopsis for the book. The title was chapter one. 
It is 13 March, 1941, Clyde Bank, Scotland. And Lieutenant Commander Ronald Weldon has made a mistake in bringing his young charges to the shipyards on this day because the Germans have come a-bombing. Rewind to two days prior, where we see young James Bond is a judo-knowing, board-school-going son of a gun. Kind of like Ric Flair, but 17 instead of 70. James befriends a professor Keller who is visited by a Werner. James later gets to prove his judo skills against some ruffians. The appropriate 1941 description of what today would be called street toughs. I'm hip. The 12th of March proves to be eventful as James strikes a kinship with Commander Weldon and also sees Professor Keller accosted by two men who, despite a tough effort by James, is unable to stop the two men from killing the professor and getting away with some top secret information which Werner gave him. Determined, Bond chases the men on a motorcycle and the more experienced men get young James to roll the motorcycle off a cliff, which thankfully did not explode. But James was knocked unconscious. Back to the 13th, and James missed the train to Clyde Bank with the other students on account of being double O unconscious. That kind of worked. <laughs> James catches up with the group and Commander Weldon only to get bombed. Both James and the commander survive, and the commander is resolved to get James into a new kind of service he's been working on, one that involves wit, guile, and probably betting lots of beautiful women to be continued. All right, we'll talk a little bit of bric-a-brac about the story. Jared, have you read this book before? I have. I did. I subscribed to this book when it came out new, and then I purchased the very affordable and well-made hardcover version. So, yeah, I'm all in on this. Jason? I also read this one before. I've read the entire series, and I enlisted when it came out. Bob, I'm sorry to say I'm skipping you on this. You know, I don't really care if you read it or not. I I got them when they came out and the comps were shipped to me. That's when I read it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a newbie to this one. Uh, Me opening it and looking at it was the first time that I've done it, even though I have looked at Dynamite Bond Universe. Uh, We've discussed on one show or the other. I've read the M1 shot, which was fantastic. So I know a little bit about that. But this is my first time reading James Bond Origin. All right. We're going to discuss some highs and lows now. We just talk about some things we liked about the book, maybe some things we didn't like. Let's go to Jared. Jared, give me a high or a low, man. Okay, I will start with a high, and I'll probably have nothing but highs. And again, this is not because Bob is here. I think this is just an amazing <laughs> book. It's an amazing start to an amazing series. The first high is I love the characterization of young James Bond. I think Jeff has done a great job of giving the basic blocks. He's interested in hand-to-hand combat. He's more aware of what's going on around him than most of the students his age. He cares about fairness and other people who can't care for themselves. You know, he stands up to the school bullies for the other guy. These are all bricks of the James Bond personality that we all know and love from the films and the novels. And Jeff has done a great job of stripping that down to make him young, but still leaving those little bits that is very identifiable as James Bond. And that will be my high in round one. I want to add a little bit to the judo part of it. What I liked about that is... Of course, James Bond likes to mix them up. And it was good to see that as a young man that he was learning and training. And it was also telling that two older experienced men, while he put up a tough fight, that he lost to them. And I think Mm -hmm. that was very necessary to see because 
a lot of times, even being young, even being a little bit technically proficient, there's just something about having that age, that experience, maybe a little bit of weight, maybe that little bit of muscle. You're probably going to be just a little bit better, if not just noticeably better than someone younger and talented. So I liked that scene a lot. That I did, too. It, yeah. it showed the Bond perseverance. We've seen Bond lose before in the moment, but mm-hmm. not give up. And that's he, he woke up, hopped that bike, rode to town. I love the perseverance. I think he could have defeated the two grown men if he had gotten to the double butt kicks of doom portion of his class. Yeah. He clearly has not gotten there yet. <laughs> the Roger Moore segment of his class. Yeah, I did not see any high-hanging bars. Jason. <laughs> well, I would just like to say I really appreciated how the action elements were laid out through the entire comic. That's one of the things that I really appreciate when during the action sequences – the comic literally kind of pulls my eyes across it. And you talked a little bit about the fight scene with those, uh, what'd you call them? Street toughs. Right. They were ruffians. Yeah. They're called street toughs today, Jason. You've got to keep up with. with the- I, I, okay. I am not, I am not hip Delvin. I am not hip. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's okay. You're forgiven. Another one that really struck me was that chase scene. To me, it's really hard in comics sometimes to construct a really good chase sequence when you just, have still panels to work with but this really works and as i'm reading it i'm seeing this image go through my mind of him just tearing down the street chasing this truck the truck pulling off the side of the road him getting ambushed and then boom just run kind of off that hilltop and you can just kind of see the visceral impact of him landing and getting knocked out yeah i just thought that's kind of the same throughout this whole book the bombing raids it kind of moved along like a motion picture in my mind so to me that was a big high just the layouts and and how the action sequences pulled my eyes across the page now you know i'm going to and jason already knows whose name am i going to invoke and being the greatest (laughs) artist who would follow along visual action in a comic Norm Brayfogle. Norm Brayfogle, I believe, is the best at doing follow-along, flow-along, totally follow the fight. And good news, Bob Q, you are in Norm Brayfogle League with this flow of action in your layouts. It's wonderful. I was close. I was was sweating there for a second. I was like, oh, please, please be up there. (laughs) So so in this podcast, you're... Brains with these horrible layouts that you can't follow. (laughs) No, they're wonderful. So in this podcast, you are now in league with Norm Brayfogle and Jack Kirby. So the, yes. you are, <laughs> you are yes. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, my work here is done. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Uh, Take lay- care. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. I mean, yeah, layouts are the often forgotten art of art, and yours are spectacular. Thank you very much. I am glad for the way that the story was structured. It wouldn't have been a bad story if you would have started on March 11th and opened up to nice university and precocious bond and knowing the judo and everything like that. And instead, it drew you into the middle of some very intense action that happened on the third day on March 13th. And then you did not see James Bond immediately. And so you're left wondering where the heck is he and why isn't he in the middle of the action? So I like that those elements were played and then Bond made his appearance, but then that flashback to March 11th then occurred. So you got a little bit of teaser action before the quote unquote slower part of the story came along that was starting to build up who James Bond was and some of the other characters as well. But I like that action at the start and then 
that rewind and then coming forward. Jared, got something to say? I do. I have a question for Bob. Uh, Looking at that very first bit that Delvin was talking about, they start with the bombing, and it's very cleverly done by Jeff saying, you know, well, where's Bond? Where's Bond? Because you're like, that's what, you, what you're saying as the reader in your head. Where's Bond? Where do I get the Bond? <laughs> and then he's introduced in that panel on the bottom right. He, here, Lieutenant Commander, and he, he looks, you know, very heroic. He's saving a very attractive woman. Mm-hmm. Conscious decision to put Bond's first appearance with an attractive woman because that's what we expect or just happy coincidence? A lot of the stuff that Jeff did with this, because he actually called it out. It was like he was supposed to be helping... We were supposed to see like those hints of the guy he was going to become because mm-hmm. Jeff is so good at making just fun adventures that are just like a good romp. And like he really gets in on the characters and all that stuff. So for this, it was like he would always say in the scripts, there would be something like he's saving this person, but she shouldn't be like the hottest girl yet because he's not there yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Like or like when he's trying to chat up a girl, he's doing it, but he's failing because he's not the guy he's going to be yet. And he, he's real good about kind of giving me the artist, like the information that I need in order to make sure that we're, that we're trying to hit the right notes with it so that we understand that, you know, that he's a cool guy, but not that cool yet because, you know, he's still a kid in school. So that, yeah. So a lot of that stuff you'll see is stuff that like Jeff would call out to me specifically of like, Hey, do this. Everybody pretty lady, but she doesn't need to be like a bombshell yet, but she should, you know, it's okay. <laughs> no, I think that plays really well. Cause you know, when you look at it, you can tell the woman is older, but she's still attractive. And so you get that very first bond moment explosion in the background with an helping a person who, you know, that's bond. And then the person happens to be a, an attractive woman. It, it's really all, all comes together really well. And it's, it's neat to get the insights from you that that was, you know, little seeds planted. Very yeah, cool. absolutely. Absolutely. One of the one of the many things that makes Jeff excellent. Jason, highs, lows. I'm going to go with another high, and I'm going to tack on to what Jared said earlier about the development of the Bond character. One of the things that I really appreciated in this book was Bond risking flouting the school's rules to go meet with his professor friend, and it turns out so he could get a picture of his mother. That missing of his mother, him being an orphan, his willingness to flout authority to go and do what is really important to him is an element that I thought was captured well in this book. And it's just another brick in the pedestal of the James Bond legend. Stuff my orders. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> if he fires me, I'll thank him for it. <laughs> Jared. Question for Bob. Yeah. And I bet I know the answer because we talked earlier about Bob's incredible amount of research for accuracy. The school uniforms. Yes. How'd you research that? Or did you? Were you lucky guess? I don't know. How'd that work for you? We did do a bunch of research on that. Funny story. I ended up getting a really nice note from a gentleman in Scotland whose kids were going to Fetis or, or Fetis. Or Fetis. I, don't, I, I did a lot of research on what it looks like. I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't do that research. I did the other. One of us has been by Fetis College. Recently. Oh, really? <laughs> Jason's right. so fancy. Fancy. <laughs> you know, you, you dig around on the internet, and then sometimes you find people's kids who go to college there that you don't know that, like, you're, you know, I don't know. It's sort of weird, right? Because, like, you're just sort of digging around, like, oh, school uniforms and stuff like that. And, like, you find out that, like, everybody just puts all their pictures of everything on the internet, including their kids. And it's just, like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, I found a bunch of pictures of kids in their uniforms at Fetty's, so... 
Is that sort of the modern Fetty's uniform as well? They still wear? That has gone back for many, many years. And you can find like old black and white pictures and this sort of similar sort of, uh, I guess, a sort of maroon and blue or something like that. But yeah, so like it's a longstanding tradition at the school. Okay, cool. I will go with a high. And that is a good book always leaves you wanting more. Unless, you know, of course, it's the last chapter then. But since this is book one, once the action started and then they hinted that the beginnings of MI6, anybody who knows anything about Bond, and at this point, I know a little bit about Bond. It's like, oh, oh, this sounds intriguing. How How is this going to form? How is this going to work? So I was left wanting more. And that's always a good sign. It's always a good sign you get to that last page and you're like, you're turning. I was like, oh, that's it? Oh, <laughs> and dynamite's a tease too because it looks like there's more pages, and it's like oh, it's all ads. God dang it! <laughs> it's all ads for Deja Thoris. What is this? <laughs> Red Sonia. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely left wanting more, and I guess I have a question. Why was the decision made to start James Bond's origins in World War II? I believe that's the actual origin. Because Jeff had done all the research on that end of it. I just had to do the research on what stuff looked like. But if I recall correctly, he had done a whole bunch of reading on sort of where and when he would have grown up. But then there was just sort of like this blank space, right, in the mythos. And he went, well, this lines up very nicely with the Clyde Banklets. It lines up very nicely with World War II. And this is all stuff that we should explore. And like cool stories are, are, are here, right? So let's tell a bunch of them. Yeah, nice. as a big Bondophile, he's right. This is sort of the hinted at gaps in the Fleming novels themselves. Jason would know better than me. He's been reading them more recently than I have, but this is where the gaps are. And I know Charlie Higson started the Bond novels called The Young Bond, but that's Bond when he's like 12, 13, like not long after his parents have died. So there was definitely some fertile ground between the Charlie Higson books and the Ian Fleming books. Jason, feel free to contradict me. I know you're, you've read them more recently than I have. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the Ian Fleming novels themselves, they reference back to the Second World War and James Bond getting a lot of his military and intelligence experience before becoming a double O agent, which, you know, that's where we pick up in the Ian Fleming novels. There's a Bond biography, uh, which I picked up, but I haven't read. So I, I'm going to guess there's probably some other stuff in there. Uh, that fills in some gaps. But yeah, this is basically the primer that brings you into James Bond as a young adult on the eve of World War II being pulled into the Second World War. And then, of course, after that, he becomes the agent we all know and love. Fantastic. Gentlemen, do you have any other highs, lows, topics that you want to discuss? I do have one question for you, Bob. Sure. What did you model the Bond character off of, if anything? And Because I understand that the Fleming Foundation is pretty uh, rigorous about their characters. How much rigmarole did you have to go through uh, for that? They are, actually. I can tell you some funny stories about dealing with the, with the Fleming people. And I don't think I'm talking too out of school if I do it. So... I basically... oh Ibrahim Mustafa sang like a canary, so you go right ahead. Oh great, okay great. Here we go. Oh okay, okay here we go. Okay, so what I did when I was first figuring out what he looked like was I was like, well, what did Ian Fleming think he looked like? And that's when I came upon. Oh, he said he looked like Hoagie Carmichael, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just kind of slim down Hoagie Carmichael and do that, and then that was it. After I turned in the first issue, they first yelled at me because. They like him to have a little, they call it a comma of hair in his forehead. 
So I had to go back in every page and add that. And then another thing that they did is they don't like the, because like I said, I grew up reading comic strips and what I really, I like to do sort of like big overdone faces and big expressions and stuff like that. And they're very stuffy and British and they don't like that. So <laughs> I had to, I had to go back through the issue and I think I had to redraw a few different pages and you can actually see one of them. Uh, if you have the, if you have the hardcover, you can go back and you can actually see that on issue one, page two, three, there is a pretty significant change in one of the characters faces where I had him like yelling back at the, it's like as the bombs are coming down and like, he's yelling back at the kids like, Hey, we got to get moving. He had like this huge face with big mouth. And he was, and they were like, can, what can he, can he be a little bit more British, a bit more stiff up lip as it were. And so I had to like tone back. I think I had to tone back like three, four or five. I think it might've been up like five pages worth of big faces that I'd done because I like drawing big faces and the British don't like big faces. <laughs> I do say, good chap, there's a bomb dropping on the Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was more like, oh, the piece of bomb dropping. As opposed to, get the F out of here, right? So, which is where I took it, obviously. But of course, I wasn't there during, you know, keep calm and carry on, I guess. So. <laughs> I do believe my leg is missing. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is uh, how I draw. I appear to be suffering major flesh and my leg has been blown to pieces. <laughs> terrible. How did a bit of spot of bother? <laughs> uh, we're just hemorrhaging our British listeners right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who is this American jackass coming in and ruining our beautiful traditions? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, it's four American jackasses now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You he only li- he only likes one Bond movie, and he's making fun of our funny voices. <laughs> Idiot! Sorry, sorry, Ivan Dudley. <laughs> so, Jared, Jason, any other questions? Give Bob the floor if he's got anything, and I'm good. As mentioned, as I'm looking back through it, I'm like, oh god, <laughs> why did I draw it that way? But I'm so happy that you guys enjoy. It. Obviously, as you know, big time fans of James Bond and, and the franchise and the man. You know, to, to know that I didn't stink it up too badly. It's always nice to hear. Uh, no, not <laughs> at all. Stunk it up, not at all. You're reminding me of a line from a Lincoln Park song that Mike Chinota delivered. And he said, I hate my rhymes, but ha- hate everyone else's more. And, yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's just hearing you talk about, oh, man, I look at myself now. It's like, oh, and I'm like, I could start drawing now until like I'm about to fall off this mortar coil and not draw like that. But ah, I know how it is. All right, let's go to the overall ratings where Bob's going to hear how much we enjoyed this book. Let me have it. Gentlemen, a quick reminder of the rating system. You've heard it before, but I will repeat it again. Seven means you loved it. Circuit Martini, six excellent, five very good, four good, three just okay, two not so good, and one you hated it. It's Sturger Martini. I get the feeling that we're going to be less in the hated it stirred and more towards the love that shook. But who am I to say I should just ask the men themselves? Jason, what do you think? What do you rate this first book of James Bond origin? Well, as we all know, all art is subjective. And this book had me from the get-go. It had Jeff Parker, who I've loved since Agents of Atlas. It had James Bond, who I've loved since I was a child. It had military history, which I've also loved since I was a child. He threw it all in a blender, and he had this guy, Bob Q, who I'd never heard of before, come out and do this book. 
And as I discussed, the art really serviced the story. And to me, that is the most important thing. I don't care how good an artist can draw. If you can't service the story, then you lose me. And this was a perfect blend of having all the elements that I loved and terrific art that serviced the story. I'm giving it the full seven martinis. Fantastic. We will get you a driver home. Make sure that you get there safely. We don't need you swerving off the road. Call an Uber. All right. Cool. <laughs> Jared. All right, sir. The uh, the art is clearly a seven. The story is a one and a half, maybe a two. No, I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm a joke maker. A wise poet once said, you shake it, you shake it, you shake it like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> And uh, I'm shaking my martini and giving it the full seven. Jason illuminated all the same reasons. Everything about this book is in my wheelhouse. And Bob can draw his ass off. There you have it. You guys. I want to read the book. And I think that says a lot. I mean, I've reviewed some books where I'm like, hey, it's okay. And I wouldn't mind reading it. And you know, it is like, I wouldn't mind having more. And it's like, oh, here's some more. Do you want it? And you're like... that's not the case here i really do want to read the book and so once we remember who the heck gave this to us we think it's ruth and darren i'm pretty sure it's ruth there we're pretty sure sure it's ruth and darren and i i want to thank them both two dear friends of the show for giving us this because this was awesome this was great this is a I found out as a relatively new senior agent, I found out that this is a gap filler for uh, James Bond's origin, which is really cool. So I'm learning a lot and definitely wouldn't mind reading more. So who am I to not give this less than a seven? No one, I say. I will give it a seven as well. Perfect score. Perfect score. Seven is across the board. Man. Woo. I well, appreciate it. I hope you weren't going soft on me because I'm sitting here because I could take it. I'm a big boy. No, I mean, honestly speaking, like we only give sevens to the series that we're going to read. Mm-hmm. And I've read it. I've read it all and I'm reading it all again. Okay, so you you have the full first trade or you have both? I have the individual issues. Oh, okay. So what, what was your favorite issue in the series? Because there were 12, correct, total? Because Ibrahim did the last six. I remember two moments, and I can't remember which issues in particular. It might be issue two or three. One scene that I really liked was when Bond is leading an assault from the submarine onto the island and has to steal the dive bomber. Four, Jared said. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Four. It's a four. <laughs> I love that scene with him flying the bomber with his... Okay, my bad. He, he leads the team in four, and he starts stealing the bomber in five. Okay. I love that one. That was a great scene. And another scene that I really like, and again, I apologize. I don't remember the issue off the top of my head, but it's the one where he's out in the woods and he has to fight off with a sniper rifle, the Nazis advancing on the position. The way that that scene was laid out with him scoping in and knocking out like the one Nazi's about ready to throw the grenade and he shoots the Nazi, drops the grenade and it blows up. I thought that scene was really powerful too. Those are the two moments that really jump into my mind from that whole series. Well, sweet. Now I don't have to read the series. So thanks, Jason. (laughs) Well, there's tons of other stuff that goes on. I mean, yeah, he like has to rendezvous with this 
pretty little agent at one point. It's, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, six, yeah. I think with the French girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one stood out. Yeah, because issue six is actually my favorite of the ones that we did, which is the one that takes place in Portugal because it was like his first real like spy mission. Yeah. Yes, it's Portugal. Which, which I thought, which I, which I was so excited that I got to do that. You know, because like here we are, we're doing James Bond origin, and this is like the origin of him doing spy stuff. And again, more seeds of you know the pretty girl, and mm-hmm. he's not doing his best job at charming her, but you know, eventually he does all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that's like the the thing that's so good about Jeff's writing is like he doesn't do a great job of that one, right? Like. Right. He, <laughs> but like still really good i don't know i love jeff jeff is great this is not this this is the bob this, i'm taking over your podcast this is the bob loves jeff hour uh, thank you for tuning in <laughs> no jason loves jeff too man I, oh good I, I love his stuff just to toot the artistic horn some i love you did like a full schematic of battleships ah uh, yes um, yeah 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 two-page spread of the submarine in the underwater minefield oh, i mean yeah come on, that man. was awesome I think that might be my favorite spread of the of the thing. I don't know. It's Jeff li- Jeff l- likes likes me drawing things blowing up, so I got to do a bunch of that too, which is fun. <laughs> I mean, this was like taking Ian Fleming and Alistair McLean and throwing them in the blender and coming up with this. Yeah, that was awesome. fun. In general, it's sort of difficult to find good reference of, of the of the airplane the way you need it. So, I, like one of the fun things that I get to do is buy myself toys when I'm drawing these things. So, like I ended up buying myself like a model Stuka for when I was like, uh, well, I'd have to like take pictures of it and be like, it's kind of coming like this, so that I can sort of get because like finding the perfect angle of it on the internet like is 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 very difficult. So I and I tend to work off of reference a lot just because it saves me a bunch of time. So, you know, when you see James Bond doing a, a karate kick, there's somewhere there's a there's a photograph of me in my living room going, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I did appreciate in this book, there was a Ogoshi. There was a hip toss that he yeah. did. And I'm like, I like that. That was I mean, went from grabbing his arm and just putting him for himself in the right position to throw him. It, it looked real to me. <laughs> did do a bunch of research on judo as well. <laughs> Well, and I think that's one of the things that I really appreciated about this book, because like I said, I love World War II history, World War I. I like history in general. And so it's sometimes frustrating when you have books like this that reference that time period and just shortcut the art and just do kind of like generic planes or generic tanks or, you know, generic boats and that type of thing. So when I saw the level of detail you put into those bombers and the submarines and the motorcycles the buildings, it's obvious that you put some effort into it. And that just really heightens the enjoyment for me exponentially. I really do appreciate that. Level of detail. I'm very, very glad to hear it. And uh, your seven rating of the issue has been noted. <laughs> <laughs> so are we going to get that Jaws drawing or what's the story on that? <laughs> I don't think he's going to do it, Jared. I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he can. I, prob- I, I, I can't do it. So while they continue to work on Bob for free swag, we will pass it over to our network founder, Van Allen Plexico, to thank all the Patreon sponsors who make this show possible. 
we have to thank Matthew Flowers, Carl Von Drunker, Samuel Salvatore, and Christopher Burleson, as well as Phil Amthor, Ben Spooner, Bart Lindsay, Bradley Blackman, William Glenn Matthews, Gary Grant, Brian Gray, Willie Carden, Tom Anderson, Susan Trawick, Logan Chilton, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens. And then, of course, we got William Morgan, Johnny Caldwell, Emmanuel Seaman, WDE Richie, Winston Body, Clinton Stewart, and Christopher Stewart. Hey, guys. Nikki B, Phil Davis, Joshua Corbett, John Otsuki, Preston Settle, Daniel Odom, AU Falling Up Alchemist, Kevin Smith, Clarence Alford, Will Summerford, David Hegler, Theodore Gary, Reynolds Wolf, Joel Beckham, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, John McCune, David Evers, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, and Rich Reimer. Then we have Sarah Hines, Darius Benton, a couple of new folks, welcome aboard. Rob Morgan, Blake Heron, Hugh Anderson, Stephen Houston, Cato the Barner, Danny Flack, Papa Todd, Russell Milling, Kevin Canoy, Don Ziederman, Ross, Lane Middleton, Shannon Butson, Randall Walker, Shane Bailey, Chris Thrash, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, and C.T. Wayne. And finally, good old Jeremy Minton, Wardam Wade, Spanky, J.W. Rice, Jason Albrick, Mitch Vigicana, Mick Vigicana, not Mitch, Russell Souther, I've said these names a million times and I still mess them up, <laughs> Paul Bankson, Joseph Iliff, Justin Bean, Kevin Mahan, Stephen Wyatt. See, if you fast forward through this, you miss all the fun. Trevor Johnson, Auburn Elvis, Robert Drain, Brandon Smith, Royce Alvarez, Thomas Brinson, David Smiley, Matthew Wagstaff, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, Darren Pyle. I'm sure nobody fast forwards through it. You want to hear all my wacky mispronunciations. Chris Camo, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Joseph A. Miller, Mark Squire, Chris Brent Rumble, our one-time and anonymous donors. And we thank you all. We really appreciate you. We couldn't do it literally without you. Visit www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net to become a member and join the fun. And that's the show. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page, at O-H-M-S-P-O-D. If you like, you can even use the email. As a reminder, that's ohmspod at outlook.com to send us an audio recording of your question or comment, and we might even play it on the show. Please try to keep your audio file to around 30 seconds or less, unless we like you, and we would love to hear from you and make you a part of the show. Hey, it's your old buddy, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist here, and I messed up. We got an audio sent in from our friends from Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick present our rusty agents, and I forgot to play it for the fellas the night we recorded. I thought, well, that's no big deal. I'll just play it the next time we all get back together, and we'll record our responses, and then I'll insert it into the show. Well, we haven't been back together since then, not all of us together. So I need to go ahead and insert it now. But what I'll do is once it's played, I will try to give you my best response as myself, as Jason, the weasel skull, as Delvin, the dark web Williams, what I think that they would have said. So with that, let's check in with Jeff and Rick. Good evening, agents. This is Jeff from the Junior Mission Control Center, also known as Jeff and Rick Presents. I am providing this week's field report on the number one issue of James Bond Origin by Dynamite from the Junior Agents Stationed to the Pacific Northwest. 
As usual, I surprised my fellow junior agent Rick during the recording of our regular podcast, unpacking the power of Power Pack, with a pop quiz in the middle of our script. His answers are not prepared. And now, the opening credits, if you please. Power Pack, issue number, pop quiz, hotshot. That's right, it's pop quiz time. Did you know that Dynamite Entertainment does comic books, and they did James Bond Origin. Yeah. And in the spirit of James Bond Origin, I would like you to give me five, count them, five origin stories that you think are dynamite. Five origin stories that I think are dynamite? Okay. Yeah. That should be easy. Yeah, they don't all have to be painful. I'm not a masochist. Well, I'm going to say one that is definitely dynamite of some sorts. It would be Dr. Bruce Banner and how he kind of exploded himself. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty dynamite, okay? That you know, is, you know, he jumped. Yeah. He jumped in front of the nuclear bomb, saving his buddy Rick Jones. So that's one origin story that I think is dynamite. Another story that I would say, the origin story that I'd say is dynamite is... Uh, jumping your, putting you and three of your friends in a rocket that's got enough explosives like dynamite <laughs> and blasting <laughs> off the planet and getting bombarded with cosmic rays like the Fantastic Four. So that's two. That's two. That's two. Another origin story that I would say would be dynamite is when you are not listening to Somebody who's as smart as you when you're concocting up an experiment and you don't listen to him and the experiment explodes in your face, kind of like dynamite, and you become mm-hmm. Victor Victor Von Doom. You can become Dr. Doom. I mean, that's another origin story that I think is that's pretty That's a great origin dynamite. story right there, yeah. um, Another story, another origin story that would be dynamite would be radioactive. I, I, I. I I will say that that exposing a spider to radioactive energy is is mm-hmm. akin to playing with dynamite, okay? Because <laughs> it's radioactive and potentially poisonous, and there you go. You've got a radioactive spider that then bites a poor, hapless little college student who's got an uncle that has really good advice for him, and that would be... It's that true, would be but Potter correction, Potter. I think he was a high school student. You're right. He was a, but I'm going to let it he, slide. He was a high school student. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for letting... That one slide. And let's see here. Another another dynamite origin story. Okay, okay. How about this? How about how about a kid who wants to throw something like dynamite, but more like, you know, grenade, but still like a dynamite. Grenades and dynamite, and he wants to throw things at Nazis, but he's too weak to do so. So, <laughs> so they shoot him full of all this like really cool chemicals and stuff and bombard him with stuff, and he becomes like super soldier. And then not only can he throw dynamite and and grenades and other things at Nazis, but he can also punch them in the face. Captain America, right. Steve Rogers. There we go. How's that? How's that? Is that five? That's five. That is one, two, three, four, five. That is amazing. You did an amazing job there, Rick. Thank you. And they're all dynamite. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) Thank you for the opportunity to give you five really easy answers. Do you have any that I haven't mentioned? An origin story that I absolutely love is in a Nicolas Cage movie called Lord of War. The first, like, three and a half minutes of that is called Life of a Bullet. And it uh, goes through the process of the manufacturing of a bullet, the transporting of a bullet, and finally the bullet goes into a gun and gets shot, and they follow that bullet to its conclusion. I don't like where this is going. I don't like where this is going. Oh, no, it's great. It's great. In fact, I love that origin story so much that I'm actually doing a remake of that scene. Really? No, I don't. No, no, no. No, I don't like where this is going. I don't. Even though I don't like where this is going, I do have a, a... 
little nagging question for you though, Jeff. Uh, why do you have a GoPro strapped to your gun? Oh, hey, Rick, don't worry about it. Training, as always, will continue in the field until our junior agents are able to handle any situation. Thank you for accepting our reports. Until next time, junior agents signing out. Okay, according to my notes, Delvin's response would be a mixture of laughter and the clinking of ice. Jason's response would be a 45-minute essay on the first three minutes of Lords of War. And I'm just going to say that was hilarious. As always, you guys are great. And I apologize for not getting a better response. But I'm going to say I'm going to try to do better in the future. But uh, unrealistic expectations. Let's get back to wrapping up the show. Also, if you're an iTunes listener, we'd greatly appreciate it if you left a review for the show. That will help raise the show's profile to attract more of the 007 family to this program. As a reward for leaving a review, we will read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. I want to thank Jared, Jason, and Bob for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Bob, once again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. If you're looking for me on the internet, it will be very difficult because, like a smart person, I made sure that every single name I use on every single website is completely different. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's RobotJQ. If it's Facebook, it's BobQDraws. And if it's Instagram, it's King of Smaster. One word. What does it mean? You'll have to ask and find out. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Jared. Well... Apparently, it's the one thing as an artist I do better than Bob is mine is the same no matter what platform <laughs> you do. <laughs> Brilliant! Who knew? I am at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all at Yard Sale Artist. And you can check out my YouTube channel. Just look up Yard Sale Artist and I'm drawing pictures and looking at Yard Sale stuff there too. Over to you, Jason. Well, you can find me at betterthankirby.com. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <Forward> slash <Brayfogle. laughs> No, you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Jared, where can that be found? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. The Longbox Crusade can be found on any of your finer podcatchers to include Apple Podcasts and Google Play, or you can just look us up at Longbox Crusade. Thanks to the fellas for taking on yet another dangerous mission. Thanks to the listeners who tuned in. If you'd like to leave a question or comment on this or any of our other episodes, feel free to contact the show on Twitter at OHMSPLD or email us at OHMSPLD at Outlook.com. We hope to hear from you soon. The next <laughs> episode of MI6 Rogue Agents will feature Jared's choice, but on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return.
Let me just click record. Okay. <laughs> we've got black guy and we've got uh mini probe over oh, here. Oh, I thought I was black guy. Nope. Which one am I? Yeah, I'm yeah. And, uh, <laughs> wait a minute, who's this guy? What's your name, boy? What's your name? Every episode. Just wait, which me. which guy? You has a beard that wants to be like my beard. What's <laughs> yeah. your name? My name is Bob. It's a pleasure to be here. Was it before you changed it? <laughs> Why do I laugh every? This is to every guest, and I laugh every time. Kind of a good gag. Yeah, I am one of the questions that I have. I printed it. Ooh, oh, look this, this is the most professional show I've ever been on. Oh, he's <laughs> so just trying to print it. Take away from like having it on a script and then coming back, you know, and then reading it and looking back at the camera. You are so damn fancy. Look at him. Look at him. He's just, he's just trying to make me look bad. That's all. Bought a printer just for the show. <laughs> I'm throwing it away after this, too. Just went, went back in time to 1995, got himself a, a printer. <laughs> Dot matrix. <laughs> I started printing at 10 this morning. It's almost Ready. done. Hot off the presses. <laughs> are we missing a member yeah he's not gonna make it he's got wife things tonight um okay. they, they had their anniversary a couple days ago and he was like i just took her to taco bell <laughs> i should do something nice Ooh. for her later this week <laughs> and i was like yeah i wouldn't fight you on that take oh, her out oh son <laughs> take her out oh, i'm going for the nacho cheese gorditas <laughs> and I, I really thought i impressed her <laughs> yeah. i gave her extra sour cream i dropped the quarter <laughs> <laughs> Take as many soft packets as you like, dear. <laughs> Tell later you, later that night in the boudoir. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm, I'm used to it, where they usually <laughs> say something like, oh, yeah, we need to go ahead and get started, and we'll keep it short because Delvin has to go to sleep, and then, like, you're starting to monologue, and it's like, geez, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We do have to do a good 45 minutes of these nuts jokes tonight. I forgot. 45. I'm glad I'm here for it. <laughs> this is the content I crave. <laughs> it's a four. <laughs> Shut up, Jason. I didn't I didn't come prepared for this. And I didn't think much about Bond Girls before I jumped in. So I'm gonna have to go through my list of Bond Girls here on the internet. And then I'm gonna have to disappoint you. In my head, you have pictures saved, and you're just flipping through them. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just on my phone. That's in, in the I've been thinking day. about Bond Girls since I was 12, man. So I was like, <laughs> two names just popped in. Bing, bing. <laughs> I'm ready to go with this answer. Man, I'm so right bad now. at this. I'm just so bad at this. Because, like, I, 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 and I feel terrible. Like, I, I really feel like I'm stinking up your podcast. No, you are not. No, no. you are not. So, that's my job. Well, he's looking through that. I got to tell you this true story, man. It's like has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But you talk about magazines. So I was out with the nieces. This was ah, this this was probably close to a year ago, and we went to they have these Goodwill warehouse outlets. Hell yeah! Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They have like the big bins, and they just mm-hmm. dump stuff in there, and you can buy like clothes by the pound. Yeah, by the pound, man. You, they like have full of DVDs, CDs, and all that stuff. These nuts. nuts. There we go. Yep. Got it. <laughs> We got there. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I'm there with my nieces, and my nieces are, I guess, you know, they're, they're like maybe 15 and 12 at the time. And we're going through these 
books and magazines and this guy comes up and there's like there's like some old playboys that are that are dumped in there and this guy no lie like he looks creepy as f already he goes up and he starts thumbing through mm-hmm. thumbing through and he starts ripping out pictures we got to go we got to go man. just want to thank jason for not naming my name in this story <laughs> I want to buy. They were quarter a piece, Jared. Quarter a piece. I just wanted to select pictures. <laughs> okay, so. I had a robot dance. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is not a visual medium, but I'm saying. Sorry. So far, our show is ninety percent outtakes, but that's all right. <laughs> Picked up very early on my love for Shirley Bassey. I <laughs> uh, was a big fan of Goldfinger. And then, like, I adore Moonraker, even though they don't as much. And and I adore Diamonds of Forever. And they're, they're kind of cool on that one, too. But I'm like, that's the Dame. The Dame mm-hmm. gets the utmost respect. Hell yeah. mm-hmm. And I still, to this day, I have a standing offer to take her on a nice dinner, of which I would have her back at a respectful time. I have tweeted at her, and she has not responded. <laughs> I'm <vague. laughs> I'm going to do that after I put out my Snake Jazz album. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew I you know couldn't it. talk about it. I knew you couldn't. <laughs> you knew I couldn't. And you were right. You were correct. Oh, I think I'm he's bringing forward. back Cyberforce, and that's why the book is over there on his yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's good to tell. Oh, if right if there. only. Do you, do you no open that note with the only goal? <laughs> Can you hold it? Wow, man, this is our best show ever. You gotta go for it.